Hey, court of femmers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that how we say it? Court of femmers. Sure. Welcome back to our third episode of the series of the four agreements. This agreement is drum roll, Tiana. Hi, everyone. We are talking about not making assumptions today. That is the fourth agreement. Do not make assumptions. Isn't there that saying, when you make an assumption, you make an ass out of you and me? Yep. I've heard that (laughs) so many times, so many times. And what uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, his little recap of not making assumptions goes like this. Find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstandings, sadness, and drama. With just this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. For sure. This is like the worst because sometimes I think we just get really comfortable knowing that we think we have things figured out. We think we know ourselves. We think we know each other. Mm -hmm. We think we know our partner, our best friend, our mom, our dad, our siblings. And frustrations lead us to identify maybe some things that we don't know. I think that's difficult for people to acknowledge, oh, I guess I just don't know everything. Especially like when it comes to relationships, when you love somebody so much, whether it's your mom or your partner or your child, you know, you think you know this person so well that you're going to already know what they would want or Mm. what, what outcome they desire. When in fact, if you don't ask the questions and you don't hear it directly from them, you don't actually know. Yeah. Kind of like Christmas. (laughs) Have you ever had that grandparent who it's like, they send you a box full of actual wrapped gifts, not like gift cards or money or anything like that, wrapped gifts. And then you're like opening it going, this is weird. Okay. This is weird. Um, okay. (laughs) Why did they think I would want this? Like we don't ask enough questions to understand what people want, Mm -hmm. but Have we been asked enough questions for ourselves to know what we want and be able to express it clearly? Truly. And this is, this is a really difficult topic for analytical people. So, I mean, (laughs) I am as analytical as it gets. I will sit and try to process someone's thought processes for so long that I disregard my own thought processes and think I have their thoughts figured out and Mm. their desires Mm. figured out. When in reality, I haven't asked enough questions to make that accurate assumption. Right. It's like that statement we ask or we think in our heads, Mm -hmm. how could you? And we say that out of like, that is just insane. That is not common sense. That is just out there. And the other person's like, no, it's not. It's actually how I think. Like, there's so much difference. There, We're living in an age of difference where we can't just keep getting frustrated with other people thinking and behaving differently than us. We have to ask more questions so that we understand. Yeah. I mean, you just earlier read that part in the book where it says asking more questions. It's, it's just a simple uh, sentence. It's so powerful. The way to keep yourself from making assumptions is to ask questions. Make sure the communication is clear. If you don't understand, ask. Have the courage to ask questions until you're clear as you can be. And even then, he says, even when you're at this point of clarity, don't assume that you still 
have it all figured out. That's, I mean, that's the hardest part is like, once you do figure out, I don't know everything, having the courage to ask questions because asking questions, especially when you know what you want and you have a desired outcome, asking questions that involve someone else to get to that desired outcome are scary. It's, you're scared of rejection. You're scared of not getting that desired outcome. You're scared of having a different and difference in thought processes with this other person. So asking the questions is scary. You just, you don't know the outcome, but if you assume the outcome and you assume the answer to these questions, that's going to bite you in the butt. Right. And that is the fear of pride Mm -hmm. is that we have to humble ourselves and assume we don't know all there is to know. And for someone who's living out of a place of ego, that's deflating to the ego is to Mm -hmm. say, I need to ask more questions. I rarely hear people say, I need to ask more questions. It's more of a response of like, why, why? And you know, it gets, it can get really defensive that you're being interrogated. Yeah. I, I, I struggle with that a, a lot. You know, it's really hard for me to when I know my stance on something mm-hmm. and for someone to question me over and over again, why my stance is the way it is, I I get frustrated. Like this is this is just my thought process. This is it. Why are you asking me so many questions? Like, like why when you think about that feeling too, isn't it like this tightness? Mm-hmm. It's like this your chest kind of rises like like the air gets yeah. through the the physical feeling that comes with frustration is a defense. Yeah. It's some kind of a puffing. Yeah. So how, like, I don't know, what's your best advice to avoid that? Like if, if the appropriate response on the other end is to be courageous enough to ask questions, what's your advice to the person receiving the questions? Like how, how do I not get defensive and how do I honor this person by being curious and answering their questions and, in not feeling interrogated? All I know for me is I've started to be more aware, self-aware of my red flags, my own little triggers, my own little emotional markers that tell me, that communicate with me that there is something banging up against a hard surface in my heart because it doesn't feel good. First Mm -hmm. of all, I'm uncomfortable. Second of all, I might start to sweat or I start to like replay what I'm going to say next to this person. But it's in, it's recognizing those moments. And that's really what self-consciousness and, you know, just consciousness in general, being self-aware, it's identifying those moments in the moment. That's the hardest part. I think we all do this like hindsight. Oh, maybe I should ask more questions, right? Mm-hmm. We say these things because we don't often do it in the moment, but I've really started to practice checking in with myself. When I start to feel this, like my chest starts to rise and I start to get short breathed and I'm feeling this tightness in my chest. I'm taking this moment and I'm letting myself be frustrated instead of choosing to be curious right so that's that physical feeling and you know with with my husband as a chiropractor like everything that's physical we know is a communication so we let those moments of frustration communicate to us that we need to ask more questions and stay curious i think it's really hard for people and difficult to stay curious when we want to get Yeah, I mean, you're, I think the reason that me personally, why I get defensive when people are asking me so many questions, because I assume that they want a specific answer. Mm. Whereas hopefully 
they're just remaining curious and asking questions out of curiosity. Yeah. So I have to remind myself that they're curious, so I, they deserve their questions to be answered. It's not about me. It's not about me getting interrogated. These, this person on the other side of the conversation is curious about what I have to say. Yeah. So I should honor that curiosity, you know? Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. You're honoring someone else's curiosity. And that is, that's a very humble response. That's a humble way of living. Easier said than done. I'm not yes. saying that's a perfect practice of mine, <laughs> but, I also, but it's something I'm trying. I also trying. think that defensiveness can come from a place of me not knowing why I'm doing something. Mm-hmm. So when someone asks me, I'm like, well, <laughs> I just do this, it. I just, this is what I do. Right. This is what I do. And yeah. that's how like the domestication, this idea that we grow up and we're domesticated and we're told this is right, this is wrong, yeah. this is how it should be, and this is not cool. And that when we start falling into those patterns and habits of life without really intentionally saying, yes, I'd like to operate this way in my life, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. when someone questions that, it's almost like... They have just questioned your whole existence, your whole foundation that you've built your life that clearly if you were secure in, you wouldn't be threatened by questions. Right. And that's, I think that's the difference between being questioned and someone being curious. Yeah. And you just have to, you know, put your feelers out and understand hopefully that the conversation you're having, this person is truly curious and they're not just questioning you. Well, doesn't that go back to the second agreement too? Like don't take it personally. Right. If they're asking you questions, if you're taking it personally, you feel like they're shaking your foundation. Right. You're going to get defensive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But if you see it as just questions because someone's curious, it makes it a very lighthearted situation. Mm. It's not that in-depth. It's just you voicing what is clear to you. But if we don't know, then that can feel like an interrogation too. So again, he's like continually reminding us to just get in tune with ourselves. Get in tune. Know why you do things. And if you don't know why, ask yourself some questions. Right. And the, the biggest thing is, like you said, asking yourself these questions. Do you know what you want? Do you know the answer to your why? And if you don't, you know, it's okay to tell that person, I don't know. I can't mm. continue having this conversation right now because I need to do some own, my own reflections. Yeah. And I need to figure this out for myself. That's, oh my, but even sometimes that can be frustrating. <laughs> Totally. I I do that sometimes. I'll ask Michael a question and I'm I want him to tell me either what I want to hear or something that makes more sense to me or something. Like I'm asking him this because I need something from his response. So oftentimes he will respond by saying, That's a really good question. And it does not feed that piece of It doesn't of answer no. your question. And I need to get, I'm clearly asking it to get fed in some way because mm. that response of his frustrates me even more. I'm like, well, figure it out. <laughs> right. So we're, so in, in that moment, were you remaining curious with your questions or did you have a desired answer? You know what I mean? Yeah. I needed an, a, a solid truth, a solid answer, something factual, something real mm-hmm. in my world, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in the book, it says on page 67, it says, in any kind of relationship, we can make the assumption that others know what we think. And we don't have to say what we want. Mm. They're going to do what we want because they know us so well. And that's difficult because 
you know, asking questions is the hard part and making sure we remain curious, but telling our loved ones what we want so Mm -hmm. we can get what we want and what we need. We can't assume that these people love us enough to read our minds, to know exactly what we want because they understand us so well. We need to allow these questions so they can understand us better so we can understand them better and have let them understand us in the best way possible. Totally. And I think that's where we re- we can often realize that we don't know what we want. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe this is TMI, but <laughs> but then, okay, let's do that. Let's do it. Um, so in our relationship, we are very sexual. And there were so many times where he's like, tell me what you like. And I just don't freaking know. Like, I don't know. I'll know it when I feel it, I guess. Yeah. And that sparked so much conversation between us and some dialogue of like, you need to figure out what you do like, Melinda. And I'm like, what do you mean figure out what I like? You're supposed to do these things. You're supposed to show me what I like. Come on, babe. You're supposed to tell me how my body works. Like He just looks at me and laughs just like... You need to know yourself, mm-hmm. know yourself, know what you like, know what you want. Like even for Mother's Day, what what do you want this day to look like? Well, I don't know. I want you to spoil me, but I also don't want to be spoiled. Like what, yeah. what do you want? The hardest part in that, in that aspect is that society doesn't really give us permission to, as women especially, to know what we want. Amen. And to tell people Amen. what we want. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's a whole process of unlearning societal behaviors and Mm -hmm. relearning our own behaviors and what we want and giving ourselves that permission to know what we want. There needs to be a bell in here. I need to (laughs) ring a bell right now. Like that is it. We go from being young women to getting our periods to which we don't even have the time know what that means and what's going on in our body because chances are our mothers didn't even know that either. It's just, well, it's this thing we do and it's called the rag and we hate it and we're mean and we want chocolate and wine. Like Mm -hmm. there's so much more to it than that. But we don't know ourselves. That's And then we go from that to being in relationships or being married and then having children. And then and expecting our partner to know what we want totally. when we don't even know what we want ourselves. We don't even... Have we taken the time to know ourselves before we get into relationships, before we commit ourselves to a job? Like I, I feel like that was the one thing at the school um, that I worked at that I felt like I was really imparting to, to future professionals that... Don't go out there and just say, pick me, choose me. Here's my resume at your interviews. Like, don't just be like, please let me work for you. You need to ask them, what do you have in this? Do you have education? Do you have benefits? Do you have the, like, ask them all the questions and know what you want. Because if you're going to be there a long time, and hopefully you want to be there a long time, otherwise you wouldn't be applying there. But know what you need in your life to be sustainable. Does it need to have health benefits? Does it need to have a budget for um, ongoing education? Do they need to have something in place for you as a person to thrive and know what that is and ask for it? Otherwise, you're just doing a disservice to yourself. What is up, Court of Femme listeners? This is Melinda from Court FM and from The Hive. We have eclectic seating areas, creative nooks, beautiful natural light seating, 
design aesthetic that's by femmes for everyone. We have a photography corner where you can play with natural light and dabble around with creative backdrops. We have workstations, conference room that's in art deco style. We have a podcasting room with microphones so you can just play around if you think you want to start a podcast or if you want to get comfortable just speaking and hearing your voice. This is the room for that. We are a member's workspace meaning one membership fee allows you a door code which you can come and go as you please and use our resources, use the space to however you want to use it. We have several different membership levels based on your needs. You can check it out at www.thehivecda.com. Now back to the podcast. Truly. And yeah. that, everything you just said can apply to every kind of relationship everything. that you carry on in your life, whether yeah. it's with your mother or your partner or yes. your child or your employer, knowing what you want in the relationship and asking enough questions to fully understand what that person wants as well will apply the the third agreement don't make assumptions (laughs) you know you you won't have to make assumptions if the communication is clear on both ends if you know what you want and that is expressed and the other person knows what they want and that is expressed then there's a mutual understanding and there's no assumptions needed right I am very thankful that um, at one point in my life, I was going to be going into business with someone. And I researched this gal who was an attorney, and she said, here's 10 questions that you need to ask this person before you even go into a partnership with them. That would be legally binding. Ask these questions first. And once you've done that, then come back to me and I'll help you craft something for you guys to work together. That's cool. I swear to God, question number three broke us and we parted ways. Wow. And I keep thinking like, holy shit. Like if we would have just like bypassed the process of asking difficult questions, this would not be, not have fared well for either of us. It would have caused you a lot of grief. Because she would have been high. Yeah. Yeah. She would have been like hiding her biggest goals for this organization and I would have been maybe putting mine on the back burner like there was so much that needed to be talked about but they won they were very difficult conversations they were the things you don't ever want to have to talk about but we were forced to talk about them and it brought to the surface very important and very pertinent information that had to be at that moment. So I'm very thankful for those difficult conversations, but I had originally gone into it assuming, well, we're both for this and we both have these goals and we both believe this. So yay, let's do this. Mm -hmm. No, we had to ask more questions and it was really helpful to have someone who is out of the picture, non-bias come in and say, ask these questions (laughs) because I don't know you. I don't know her. Ask these questions and you guys need to work it out. It was so helpful. Like questions are the counter Truly. to so much frustration. Yeah. I mean, Emily and I, my girlfriend and I, she, uh, whenever we're like, we don't really know what to date, do for date night, we're stuck mm. in the house. I pull up uh, t- New York Times 20 questions to fall in love with you. What's that? It's, Wait, am I missing that? Maybe. It's oh. really, really cool. It's, okay. it's by New York Times. And I think it's 20 or 30 questions. And they're really deep, wonderful, easy questions. But the answers are really revealing and it's very very cool but it really just makes you fall in love again truly it's 
So, and we can only get through like two or three questions at a time because they start these incredible conversations. Mm. So if you're listening, look it up. New York's Times, 20 questions to fall in love again. Something along those lines. And, And there's so many, like there's books like that. There's card games. But if you don't know the questions to ask, look them up. There's always good questions yeah. on the internet or games that yeah. you can play to remain curious about your partner yeah. and, or your family. Like it doesn't have to be romantic, but questions are hard to come up with sometimes. It's hard yeah. to know what to ask. So there, there's help out there to figure that out as well. And I know we talked earlier a little bit about, um, do we know what we want? You know, how... How do you know what you know what you want, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then just this idea of everything ha- holds different meaning for different people. So Tiana and I were talking about the word marriage and how marriage means something to me because of my upbringing, because of my domestication, but it meant something different to Michael in his upbringing and his domestication. So when we came together, we had this general idea of what marriage should look like. But over the years, we realized that our idea of marriage did not look like how we were raised to believe it should look like. So we changed our language and now we call it our partnership. Yeah, in some crowds, we still say husband, wife, you know, those ownership terms and we say marriage, but we really know deep down that we're talking about our relationship as a partnership because the words change when the meaning changes to you. Yeah. So don't assume that you want to get married? Yeah, I want to get married. Well, first of all, let's dissect the word marriage on both sides and see what that even means to you because it might not mean the same thing to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's wild. I mean, I grew up in a very Christian household and my parents, uh, my mom and my stepdad at the time were actually the leaders of the premarital studies of the church that mm-hmm. we were going to. And it was really wild seeing them walk all these couples through their premarital studies <laughs> And, you know, my parents struggling at the, at the same time, you know, they weren't, they weren't remaining curious and asking each other the same questions or whatever it was, they were teaching something and living something else. And Mm. both of them had very different ideas of what marriage was while simultaneously teaching marriage. (laughs) It was just, it was, it was messy. It was really messy, but they figured it out. Uh, You know, they're not together anymore, but. (laughs) So they figured it out. They figured it out. Yeah. Yeah, they, they realized that they had different ideas of what marriage was to them yeah. through conversation and, and hurdles and all that good stuff. And, you know, they weren't aligned. So they figured it out through communication over a long period of time. But needless to say, there's there's this, everyone has a different, different idea of what marriage looks like. So if you don't have an understanding before you make that agreement to be married mm-hmm. and you have different ideas of what marriage are, what are you doing wrong there? You know, exactly. You're not, you're making assumptions that that person has the same idea of marriage as you do. You know, working with a client, you can always trace back where you went wrong or went astray when you have someone who's not happy with their service (laughs) or if they're crying in your chair, you're like, Oh shit, where did we go? Where did we both go in opposite directions? And it can always go back to the consultation. It's to that moment where you're supposed to be asking a million questions and talking about it and discussing it and using other things than rather than just words. I remember that having someone say, I just want some strawberry blonde highlights, you know, strawberry blonde, <laughs> strawberries. And so 
I, in my early ages of my career, I was like, okay, let's do some strawberry. And so afterwards, <laughs> she's sitting there with these big wide eyes in the mirror. And I'm saying, oh, it's so pretty while I'm blow drying her yeah, hair. Yeah, you love it. I yeah. love it. And she is looking in the mirror like, what the F is this? This is not what I asked for. I said strawberry blonde. And I'm like, so I went back, pulled out the color swatches, and I'm like, you asked for strawberry blonde, and this color right here is what we call strawberry blonde. Mm -hmm. And she was like, no, 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 that's not what I meant, though. And so after that day of like a very expensive color correction, <laughs> I learned that I needed to have a booklet out that said, here are some strawberry blondes. <laughs> yes. And I would list five swatches of colors. Not only the hair swatch, but I would show a picture of a celebrity that had that actual color of strawberry blonde and say, now you tell me what you feel is a strawberry blonde. And more often than not, they would pick the picture that was probably farthest from what I would believe to be a strawberry blonde because right. our communication can't be 2D. It has to be so much more in depth if we want to really connect with people. It has to be right. more than that. And depth equals asking more questions. Yeah. You know, so that was, yeah. in, in that instance, in that example, that was your opportunity to ask more questions. Like, what what kind of shade of strawberry blonde are you looking for? Do you want me to pull out some swatches for you to look at? Do you have any pictures that you can show me? You know, right. you know? Right. so there's, there's always an opportunity to ask more questions, to gain more clarity on their perception. Because yeah. bottom line is your perception is not this person's perceptions. Exactly. In any circumstance, you are not going to have the same perception. So right. if you haven't asked enough questions to gain enough clarity, then you're making assumptions. That's where meaning, we're, we are absolutely, this century that we're living in is called the age of difference. And that's where this idea of common sense is actually not even a thing anymore. It's not even existence because of such diversity that people are grown in. You've got one child who grew up on a lake fishing and kayaking and all these things. You have one kid who grew up in a concrete jungle, you know, mm -hmm. like inner city. They do not have the same value system. They don't have the same beliefs about what it means to belong. And they and shouldn't equal. have to. They, they live totally to. different lives, you know. Right. But can we come to an understanding or sh are we just assuming that people, everyone should hold these values? Right. Okay. You can all hold the same values, but don't assume I'm going to live them out the way that you live them out. Cause I live out my pro-life in a different way that you live out your pro-life. Exactly. Yeah. Don't make assumptions. Don't do it. Yes. <laughs> I think this is also a time where, um, when you realize you've made an assumption that you could possibly be living on autopilot, like, are you really in tune with what your values are and what you believe that looks like and how you live it out. And if you don't know, like, are you just kind of living how you were told you should live? Like, where's it, where's your source coming from? Yeah. Yeah. When are you making that choice to make your own decisions instead of what you were raised by? Are you asking, are you asking enough questions to to make those decisions for yourself? Or are you just yeah. assuming that what you were taught was the right way? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This idea of love, that's always kind of triggered me too. I, so many people throughout my life, because, you know, same with you, I was raised really religious and I was raised in a commune. We lived in this big barn with a bunch of other people, right? The word love was thrown around so much that 
people say, I love you. I love you. Oh man, I love you. And I finally come to this understanding of, look, I have no doubt that you believe that you love me. (laughs) My doubt is that our versions and meanings of love are identical. You see, you've said that before and that has really stuck with me. That is super, super powerful. Like two different people can have very different perceptions of what love is. What love is. And that's okay. That's totally okay. But, and it's also okay for you to say your version of love does not resonate with my version of love. So I'm going to say, I love you, wish you the best and move along. Yeah. You know, and that's the right that we have as a human being on the earth that I need to be loved the way that love makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. And if you can't honor that, then well, turn to page 70 Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he says, real love is accepting other people the way they are without trying to change them. If we try to change them, this means we don't really like them. I I know I've said this before too. Like my son has told me before, I need you to not have that tone with me when you tell me that I need to clean my room or pick up my stuff. And he's like, I'll do it. But sometimes the way you say it hurts my feelings. And because I love him, I know that I have to adjust my tone. Because that's his version of love. Like, mm-hmm. don't we want to love people the way that they desire to be loved? Like, truly. That just goes back, you know, full circle to how are we going to understand how someone needs to be loved if we're not asking questions? Yes. We can't assume someone's love languages. We can't assume how this person will feel loved and just do things for them. Even though, like, <clears throat> I mean, for example, my girlfriend, her first love languages is affection and touch but mine is acts of service or words of affirmation Mm. so because i understand love with words of affirmation i will shower her in compliments but she doesn't feel loved that way she Mm. needs hugs and kisses a little nuzzle in the neck whatever it is Mm -hmm. you know but i don't need that so it's not my automatic reaction to say i love you by kissing her on the cheek or Mm. giving her a big hug it's my automatic reaction to say, hey, I love you. You're the best. And, <laughs> yeah. I, and I assume that that's enough for her because it would be because enough for me. it would me. be enough for you. And that's not fair. You know, I need to ask her, like, Emily, how, how do you perceive love the best? And she'll tell me, I need hugs and kisses. So I give her hugs and kisses and yeah. she feels great. Yeah. You know? So you have, to, you have to be brave enough to ask how someone perceives love the best way and not try to change their love languages. That's interesting too, because love languages, that whole concept was a wonderful addition to, to our marriage because it helped us identify our needs. But it was almost this big red flag of, you mean you don't know what you need? <laughs> like, right. Oh, and instead of first applying it to yourself, it was another one of those things where you had to automatically give it to someone else instead of first knowing it for yourself. And I remember reading something just, I think, a couple months ago where this woman was saying, take those love languages and apply them to yourself first. Yes. Know which ones you need and heck, do them all, like all the time. If this week you haven't given yourself some physical affection, by all means, spend hey, some yo. time with yourself and do some things. Yeah. Same with words of affirmation. Like if you haven't this week given yourself some affirmations, do so. 
And I think once we get into those habits with ourself and meeting our own love languages on all of those levels, then we're able to do that. We have more, once we're, others. you know, when our cup is filled in that sense, yeah. we have more room to be curious about other people's love languages. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we're empty, like we, our mentality and our spirituality, I mean, all, our body even is going to be so starved for our own affections and our own care for our own selves. We're not going to be able to give a hundred percent to the conversation that we're having with someone else. Yeah. So that's you're right about that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But see, this is why it's so important to talk about this because we all desire, most of us desire to keep growing in connection with ourselves You know, like getting more aligned to who we are and understanding ourselves so that we can live our fullest expression in this short life that we have. And also so that we connect better with those that we do love. Like that's the purpose here. Mm -hmm. This isn't like so that we all become like supermodels. Like this is so that we just live a full life and to the fullest. Yeah, just being the most effective human you can be while honoring others in their own journeys as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think in those moments of acknowledging, am I frustrated? Okay, I am frustrated. Now, how do I turn this frustration into a curiosity? We have to ask more questions. We have to stop assuming that we know, well, even our siblings who maybe grew up in the same home as we did, the same parents, we were fed the same stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But we can't assume that we're going to operate the same way. So we have to keep asking questions so that we get to know people for who they are in their own unique individual way. Isn't that like, that's the whole biblical idea. Like everyone is, has a different fingerprint, right? Right. No one has the same exact fingerprint. So can't we look at each other that way? Like you're not going to think the same way as me. So maybe I get to know your fingerprint in your mind. Like, how do I get to know that? See, that's beautiful. That, that to me is the most honoring thing is when someone is so curious about me. Mm. It's, it, it makes me happy. Like I said at the beginning of this, that like when someone questions me, it makes me feel interrogated. Yeah. But it all depends on how it's portrayed and presented like Mm -hmm. if someone is just like well what do you like what do you want like how can I how how can I do this in a way that will make you feel loved you know like instead of what do you want what do you want from me right it's it's all about the way it's presented tell me what you want (laughs) Tiana yeah see that's that's when I get defensive and shut down and I'm like all right you clearly don't actually want to hear what I want you're making assumptions or whatever you're doing so I'm just gonna go oh but did you like my voice was that good I like did it that trigger it, you? it did sorry. a little bit no it's good I love it I love it I probably triggered myself right there too I was like oh I don't like that <laughs> so funny see I mean that's literally a perfect example right there like if you would have just changed your tone or <laughs> or just quietly looked me in the eye and said what what can i what do, do for you, you? what do you want <laughs> you know i'm like oh she's curious i like this you know that's why i love cats cats are curious <laughs> and they're so sexy about it like they're just like they nuzzle up they mm-hmm. start purring and they're just like what do you want, Tiana? <laughs> or, or they're all they're I saying, want a Give butt me this. scratch, please. <laughs> oh, so funny. So this, I think this this excerpt from the book really relates to this. It says, if others tell us something, we make assumptions. 
And if they don't tell us something, we make assumptions to fulfill our need to know and to replace the need to communicate. To replace the need to communicate. (laughs) And I do this all the time. Mm. This is a huge, huge struggle with me. And I think, you know, my partner and I can both say the same thing. Like, it's so much easier to assume what the other person wants than ask them because I'm so fearful of rejection or that I'm not going to get the answer that I want. Mm. And when you, you know, when you start asking questions in that way, when you have an answer that you want, that's when it sounds interrogating. Yeah. Truly. Like when, I don't know, when I, when I want her to respond a certain way, I already know that I, I have the answer in my head of this question. Yeah. And she responds oppositely. (laughs) Then I get a little angry and my eyebrows get a little lower <laughs> and I'm disappointed and instantly she's going to feel interrogated. Yeah. And that's not fair. You know, if I, if I go into these questions feeling curious, she's going to feel honored and feel like she's being explored rather than interrogated. Yeah. Well, I think the difference there is agenda. Yeah. Is your curiosity tied to an agenda that serves you? Well, that ends up coming across as an interrogation. But if your curiosity is tied to understanding and learning, you're not tied to any answer. You're sitting there open and willing to hear so that you can learn. Yeah. Assumptions are us communicating that we have it all figured out or we think we have it all figured out you know what assuming does (laughs) (laughs) i cannot i again i can't tell you how many times i've heard that in my life it's just about being more aware and identifying in yourself okay i need to ask more questions Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna think that this is what's happening right now because i really don't know we we just don't know yeah and i think the biggest thing i've learned out of this conversation and exploring this chapter with you is that the fear of asking the questions is less painful than making the assumption Ooh, say that again the fear of asking the question (laughs) is less painful than making the assumption because the assumption is going to bite you in the butt eventually Mm. whereas if you just were brave enough to ask the question and learn then you can move forward in a more healthy less fearful way but what if you like being bit in the butt then what (laughs) then you just gotta learn the hard way and that's okay everyone's processes are different (laughs) what if you like it ooh "Ooh, bite me in the butt wait is that bad are you saying that biting the butt is bad never it'll bite me in the arm okay cool okay I don't want that you're cute Oh, man. I love you. I love you, too. I love Melinda. doing this chapter with you, this book with you, this life. This is great. It's a good conversation. <laughs> Makes my heart warm. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's all for today. That was the third agreement. Don't make assumptions. And we have one more left. One more left. Do your best. Always do your best. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's the best. Truly. The best is the best. So your best is going to change from moment to moment. It will be different when you are healthy as opposed to sick. Under any circumstance, simply do your best and you will avoid self-judgment, self-abuse, and regret. I'm looking forward to that one. Me too. I'm really excited about that one. I, I use that a lot. I'm just doing my best. Just doing my best. I'm doing the best I can. I love it. All, All right, right, everyone. See you next time. Bye.